motherfucking East Coast. Man with the most, the man with the most beard. You here with us? With the beard speaks, homie Chuck. I'm ROC. Y'all know what it is. Yeah. Oh, come on, he's a miserable cocksucker, fucking asshole. You hate him, admit it. What up, Heads? Chuck Reeves, East Coast Beast Toast here for another glorious episode of The Beard Speaks. Today, I'm joined by a very, very special guest, someone who's been kicking around this underground, doing things, making things happen for damn near 25 motherfucking years. Yeah. Someone who's, who's been whispered about in rumor and legend of supergroups and the return of certain evil triads for quite the long time. His latest release is called Digital Voodoo. And joining me live via some of that digital voodoo right now, his name is Raps on Contact. Welcome the ROC to the Beard Speaks. Ah, thank you, thank you, man. I truly, truly appreciate it. It's just it's just a great feeling, finally, to be presented uh, the album Digital Voodoo be be presented to to the to the fam the right way. You know, Con congratulations on that. And I mean, you know, the, the, the chart numbers just hit this week. Number nine top rap yeah. album in the country on Billboard. Number 16 top independent album and number 106 on the Billboard Top 200. Chart shit ain't no small feat for anybody, especially an independent artist like yourself. Is it, this your first time cracking that top 200? That is my first time, man. Actually kind of Billboard charting anything, period. You know, of course, you know. The way I look at it, it's, it's a blessing it, because it's it's weird because for me, I ain't had nothing out in over a decade. Really, ain't had nothing out. And like you said, you know, you, you kind of always heard whispers of or this or that or never really much from the guy. I don't really, people don't really know. I don't know the guy. I seen him do some shows with Twisted and I didn't heard he used to be an HOK, but, you know, and then, uh, you know, you come out with this new album and then it charts and you're just like, what? <laughs> it's like what so the commercial and critical validation that you're receiving from the fam out there after i mean people were waiting with bated breath were you concerned that maybe you had waited too long i definitely that is some definitely i was concerned about like that you know man you know you 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 it's been so long it's been so long you know and 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 the whole thing of you know steady long steady long steady wrong you know what i mean <laughs> and it's like oh man it's too long man too long man but uh yeah man everybody seemed to embrace it you know you still have you still have those that are kind of resisting like i don't i don't know about roc i'm 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 gonna keep holding it off but then they keep hearing all of the avalanche of people that are like man this album is pretty dope dude it's pretty good dude it's pretty good so you know i'm kind of getting those too because i've even had people man i gotta be honest I didn't even like you, dog. I ain't like nothing you did. But I heard this album and you're the shit. So stay being the shit. I'm like, thank you, but I was always cool. I was always just shit. With me, I just did release albums. That's all. I'm good. For me, and I know for some of the OGs, you've always been that dude at the underground party that may or may not show up, but when he fucking does, it's, oh shit, ROC is here. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you was always that wild card, but you, for us up here, at least in the Northeast, you was always someone we embraced. We love that dirty, grimy dirt Detroit sound, and that's something that even when you didn't have 
per se the juggalo spotlight on you you were right. still representing and you were still creating that that grimy detroit content definite definite so, uh, so i'm really glad that you feel good about this because a lot of people i mean and then to, to also be yet another album that's charting from magic ninja right now it must feel real good to participate in keeping that batting average a fucking thousand right now it does and it does because I, I I was doing I did I did another interview I forgot how long ago and I was this somebody mentioned that something about charting and I was like fuck these cats put all this pressure on me now I gotta be out here charting put all this damn pressure and I didn't know I'm like man I I don't know if I will because again it's that long wait period you know did I wait too long did I you know this that that this and you know i don't know and i don't know and i'm the guy that's never really out there it's like i am the elusive you know uh man the sl hear, the slender man right slender. we hear about him but he does he he, he, he doesn't exist he, he exists but he doesn't exist so it's like i didn't know so again when that chart numbers and it's just like hey Hey, yeah, that's how it was. I was like, well, hell yeah. I was happy. So it was, it's, it's, again, it's a blessing, man. So we here right now, this moment, you've got essentially a hit record on your hands, preparing for other stuff. The rest of the year of the sword festivities going down. Everybody's real excited about that. But I want to go back. Okay. I kind of want to go way fucking back. Okay. Halloween night, 1973. A young man by the name of Brian Jones enters this world as a young man before the ROC. What were your musical experiences living in Detroit, the Motown sound and everything that that city had go Detroit rock city. Were you always surrounded by music? Always, always, always. Um, um, my mom's, you know, pops, especially my mom's, you know, like as we grew up, a lot of the music, that I that I heard Sly and the Family Stone, Minnie Ripperton, things like that. I felt because of a lot of things that were going on in my family at the time, be it if my parents are fighting and arguing or whatever, and you know, pops a storm out, and then you know, so you know, you got the mom sharing, you know, shedding tears, and moms put on the record player, you know, blaring the music. So a lot of that, you know, it 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 just kind of like it 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 didn't. It infested me. It it kind of, and I knew that music brought joy out of these things as a young boy that I was seeing. That all this pain that I was seeing and things that were kind of ripping at my family. And you know, the music could come on and everything just seemed to be cool. And I'm talking as a young, 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 young man. So it, it just kind of, for me, it, it it just infested me. Then at that very young age, I knew. I wanted to do something. I don't know what. I I, I want to be a singer. I guess I want to be a singer. Anyway, it wasn't, it wasn't no rap back then, of course. It was all singing and 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 and, and disco and all that type stuff. But when I was very very young, that I wanted to be involved in entertainment. Did you pick up an instrument? Did you participate in choir at school at church? No, I never never been picked up an instrument. Only thing I would kind of always dabble with. And I do actually want to, I would love to take some training, is piano. 
I would love to kind of, you know, kind of get into that whole thing a little bit more because I don't know how to like read music. I don't know how to write music. And for me, you know, being a producer and things like that, I, I, I kind of don't consider myself a musician. I mean, I don't play any instruments. As a producer, you do play an instrument. I do, yeah, I, I, and, I, and I do. I just don't, you know, pick up a guitar and bang it with a bang, ba bang, ba bang, or, you know, ding, ding, do, 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 you know, like that. But yes, I, you, you're right, I kind of do. I, 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 I kind of do play. You manipulate sound. Manipulation of sound is right. instrumentation. Oh, Straight the fuck up. Go. Exactly. Again, it's just music has always just been, yeah, whatever you may be into, it, it soothes the soul. I, I don't care if it's... Uh, all the way from George Strait, if you like country, or you know, if you, you know, if you like, uh, you know, corn or or three doors down or, or shit, ICP or twisted, it does it. It all it soothes the soul, man. It's, it's it's such a good thing sometimes, you know, music. A lot of the music nowadays, I don't understand. A lot of the younger cats coming up, they call it mumble rap and things like that, but. I mean, apparently it's, it's doing something. Cause it's all my toddler, my toddler likes that shit. My toddler likes that I spy with my I'm telling you. Like, I'm telling you. And the kids. I can't do. be mad at it. I can't be mad at it. And that's and that's me. And that's that's how I am. I I, I don't be mad at it. I, man, them young 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 guys out doing their thing, man. You know, charting and all these concerts, and they be all turned up, and, and you know, you just like. Okay, <laughs> just do your thing. I'm glad you mentioned your production history because you're, you're most known as an MC. I mean, a lot of your features are fucking legendary, but your contributions as a producer, I think in some ways, maybe in the shadow realm, even overshadow your lyrical gifts and the things you've given. What came first for you? Was it writing rhymes? Was it producing music? It was it, it was producing music and actually I would beatbox. Can't really do it no more, but I would beatbox. So for me again, it was always the music of things that spoke more to me than the <clears throat> than the lyrics. It was always the music part. The music part always spoke strings, you know, kicks, snares, hi-hats, toms, you know, um you know, the pizzicato, whatever. That that always spoke more volumes to me than lyrics did. So the production thing kind of came for me first. You know, my drum, first drum machine. So it was always kind of the music. And then kind of the rhyming aspect of it, you know, uh, lyrics and rhyming aspect of it came later. Did you do any DJing? Did you do any digging in crates? That's the thing. I never did any DJing. It was always just my beat machine and keyboard and, yeah, but never did any you know, actual, you know, DJ and things like that. Crate digging, yes, I've always, you know, done that. You know, you hear little stuff and you're like, okay, boom. The biggest thing for me, I, I never minded, you know, a little sample here, a little sample there, but I was never huge on that. I didn't like it much because it wasn't mine. I am not talking to you. So if I take a sample from Parliament, that's more... It's kind of the both of us, I guess, because, of course, I'll put my spin on it and take whatever piece of, you know, George Clinton or who, whatever, you know, so you're kind of speaking that other person. But it was never just me. So I was always big on trying to create from within. So when you hear something there, it is not a interpolation of something else. It's just me. That's just me. So I was always kind of big on that. So I didn't mind crate digging a little bit, but I was always, I remember one time 
And I, I was kind of already in that direction. But some of the best advice I got, this was many, many, many years ago, before really, before anything really started popping. I remember Esham told me, man, you, you know, you don't, you shouldn't sample. You know, you need to just do your own stuff. You need, you need, you know, you don't need to sample. You need to do your own stuff. Again, I was already kind of on that, doing my own stuff. But I took that and I kind of ran with it because it's, you know, again, man, it's just, it's so important that you hear me, not somebody else. But sometimes somebody else can speak your story better. Other producers give me tracks, uh, be it, Deadbeats, uh, Seven, another guy now, a God synth, you know, like them cats, they, you know, they'll, they'll give you tracks and you hear it and you should just write because it speaks your story. It, it are, they, they're already kind of telling your story. You're just, it's easy. The art of true collaboration. Right. There you go. So sometimes it is a lot better to kind of have somebody else tell that. But, you know, as far as production, you know, it, it, it's kind of me and it's a lot trapped it's a lot trapped in the head, man. It's a lot. <laughs> and it's a lot more. And I got so much more to do. And I know I can be so much better. And I know it'll, it'll show. Because I've been grinding a lot lately as far as producing and things like that. So it'll show. It'll, it'll show. It's important. So, so it really grew organically from you beatboxing into the percussion and then into yeah. full-blown production. Now, we're talking about in the days of fucking reel-to-reel. -reel. Are you producing for other artists? Are you producing for fun? Are you producing for homeboys? Because this isn't the days of you got an apple, you got an album. This is the days of reel-to-reels and paper bags with cassette tapes in them. Right, exactly. So a lot of the production, it was more for me and at that time, when me and my cousin, we were rapping, doing our thing. And that was, again, it was, it was real to real. There, there was no, man, I got Pro Tools. Just cut it and, and, and slice it and just put it in the man. No, you ain't cutting it. Fuck it. Fuck it. We'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in fucking post. Fix it. We're good. Like, no, nah, dude. It wasn't none of that, dude. It's just, yeah. So a lot of the, what we were putting into it, we were kind of, you know, it was kind of our, our, our sales. One of the earliest tracks I had, that was 87, 88. I think, I think, I think Moms even still has the reel to reel for it. And the producer for that track, actually, and I rapped, and my cousin rapped, and the producer for that track was actually Mike Clark. That was like 87, 88. So oh, this is before, all right. All right. This this is before like the Grammy and the Kid Rock and the and the ICB and the also and the, and the, and the also along all that man it was that such a such a long time ago and like Mike Clark you know on this uh, machine called the Lindrum and he kind of put some stuff together for us and again so that inspired me too seeing Mike you know do things and I'm just like man man how you do that man <laughs> so that kind of inspired me too mike mike clark had a had a had a definitely had a hand in that i'm sure watching him live produces like watching superhumans the man, way i feel when i watch like an arab music nowadays yeah. on the mpc some of these kids on the mpcs <laughs> they're doing shit with their hands and i'm like yeah. my hands don't move like that so no, no. my hands my yeah, hands don't move crazy. like that yeah it's crazy yeah, you right especially nowadays these cats yeah. and these and fingers and you just like what the Man, how do you even how do you even do that? Some of that stuff is just like it's phenomenal. Here I am at home with my xylophone, just like ding. Right, that's ding, 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 you know, bing, 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 bing. Sometimes it is definitely good to kind of 
listen to other because I do, man. I I listen to, you know, uh, other a, a lot of different production, whatever jazz, rock. I do because it, it does. It helps because you see how different producers may approach tracks and different things like that. So, you know, production is definitely always that was my first first experience. It was producing, and then the rapping part of it you know so what what made you make that transition to behind the boards to in front of the mic and uh what inspired the name raps on contact roc because to be honest with you my entire life of knowledge about you i hear the rock i think charles s dutton right right fox network <laughs> mandatory watching like was that i mean that was about the same time you your first your first project came out rolling with strength was 92. Right. yeah 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 were you familiar with the tv show yes yeah definitely <laughs> definitely my cousin he's the one who you know man you, you should rap so i never really wanted to kind of be be uh, an artist and things like that and, and it's a lot to, it had a lot to do in all honesty with the type of person that I am. I kind of like being behind the scenes, behind the boards, behind, even when I did my group projects, because then you kind of got, you know, other people there and y'all just vibing and y'all doing y'all thing. And I, I love the camaraderie. But when it's just me, it's like, it's cool, but it's just me. And I always thought to myself, man, who gives a shit? Don't nobody give a fuck. It's just you. Come on, get out of the way. You know, I'd rather produce and let me, let me just vibe out with you. Just let me get some beats. So that's kind of how I always was. But then it got to the point where I'm like, all right, man, I'm writing my rhymes and the tempos and really because some of the stuff, you know, I think back and it's like, oh, Lord, what the hell was I doing? <laughs> some of that stuff is like, no. But, uh, well, you know, must be happy. A lot, of the, a lot of the old stuff is hard to find. Trust me, I've been fucking looking for it. Right, right. Still never was really comfortable with it just being me not that i didn't think that i could do it I, I i knew i could yeah man yeah man yeah quick really quick story even when i did my first ever tour my first ever tour as roc was with insane clown posse which that was their first bigger tour at that time all they they wanted to just take the ROC on tour. They didn't want to take House of Crazies. They wanted the ROC. Even then, I remember talking to Alex and talking to uh, <clears throat> Violin J and telling them, no, nah, man, I'm telling you to be better with the House of Crazies. I was always pushing. They were still like, no, 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 no. But I was like, okay, well, I need hype men then. So I kind of had my hype man, which was <laughs> which was uh, Madrox and Monoxide go along, come along with me. But we still did on the tour all HOK shit. I just pushed us in that away. Like I just again, I just like the camaraderie. I like it to be, you know, yeah, man. This is all of us, man. This is all of us. It's almost like where people put all of us up. Uh, uh, the, the, the juggalos or or our style of music it's just so awesome that we all represent that and we just look at the world and it's like it's all of us 
It's just all of us. And that's cool if y'all don't like what we do and y'all against us. It doesn't matter. This is great. It's all of us. It's not just, hey, it's ROC. No, it's all of us. We all represent. So that's kind of how it always was. You know, so that's why you never saw a bunch of solo albums from ROC. It was always so sporadic. It was just kind of like, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. It's like decades between <laughs> between full-length albums. Cause Leave them wanting more. That's what I keep seeing. And I, I see it. I mean, speaking to you now and knowing you now, and people might have seen you know, your, your breaks here and there as laziness. And what I see of it is right. a lack of ego because you never did stop contributing to this culture and to this scene. You know what, man? That is... I, thank you. That is the word that I look that I was I couldn't find. Thank you. It's ego. Kill my uh, ego. They wanna, I don't have one. That's right. I've never thank you, man. Because I know that song. I've been it, listening to the new shit a lot. And right. I didn't I, that's not what triggered that word. Literally, you saying what you're saying about the us, not exactly. You, and that's some it. people might see it from you as being whatever, but like I said, you've never stopped right. contributing. So this has no. just been a lack of and ego that's the on your Right. And it's not. It's not laziness and it's not it is. It is it is a lack of ego. I even have family, friends, and I mean, man, you need to be you need to have more. You need to be more. And and I tell them I understand. You know, people say, Man, you you need cause you ain't you ain't like no real rapper. You gotta have some, you know, and I, I just you right. You right. That's just not me. I'm not that I've just never been that guy. Bruh. Yeah, yeah. It's just that's not me, man. I'd rather see us all get on. Like it's all of us. Yeah, it's, it's all of us instead of it just being just me. But sometimes well, to get there, it needs to be just you sometimes. Same thing. Look at twisted. It needed to be just them. Look how the shit came all the way back around. Now my childhood friends put me on. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, so exactly. sometimes you need that. I've always, even in my down years, I've always tried to contribute a little bit of something here and there, be it if I'm in the studio messing with tracks or, or production on something else or different things like that. I've always, you know, kind of, you know, tried to just kind of breathe a little bit of life into the uh, in, in, into the hip hop rap thing, man. It's just I have to. You had your first real release on cassette, rolling with strength. Big Father, high top in the ROC came in 1992. Mm -hmm. One track, I believe, was uh, produced by Eastside Hose and Money. Yeah, so in, in the uh, he did produce one of the tracks on that uh, on that record. Uh, um, came out 92. Me and my cousin did a lot of the other production and things like that and recorded ourselves and stuff like that. So, yeah, man, it was a uh, wow. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a fun time. Everything was so raw. Everything was so new. It was so raw back then. How long had you been an active MC up to that point? Had you been performing? I, had you been going to open mics? Had you been going to you know what we did? What? What we did, me and my cousin did a couple of things, like on a couple of little cable shows and stuff like that. Me and him actually got out and performed and did a couple of things. And no open mics, nothing like that. Since, I guess, 88, 87, 88 is when we I, I actually been you know, kind of doing the rapping thing. Because, again, Mike Clark did production for me back at that time. And this is... You know, like I said, again, it's, it's well before, you know. Um, those, those must be the fucking lost tapes. Those are the lost tapes. Yeah, yeah, definite. 
you know, and that was, yeah, that was a long time ago. A very young Mike Clark just starting out at Side Sticks is what it was called at that time. It's the disc now, but Side Sticks. But yeah, you know, so it was way back then, man. We were just kind of just doing this rap thing, man, just trying to, you know, do something. And then we, you know, scraped up enough money to come out with the cassette tape. And, you know, we thought we made it. We was like, man, we got the cassettes in the day. We made it. We just and, 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 you, and you were out there, you were out there on the street slinging them cassettes. We was, yep, me and my cousin was on it. We, we, we I was mean, on it. In 92, you know, you had a large number of MCs, especially and, and other hip-hop-related people yeah. coming mm -hmm. up in the city. What was that climate like at that age, having a new release and then having wow. to go out there and trying to push it? Because literally, you had guys like E, you had guys yep. like Kid Rock, mm -hmm. ICP, and then, you know, a little later on, people like Slum Village and Dilla, who, you know, they do Dilla Day in Detroit. So what was the, I mean, at yeah. that time, it must have been just a hotbed of talent and just it was it was so crazy like you said because you had all these other people doing it it felt so good because it was so raw everything was so raw you know um rap was still kind of in its infancy it, it was still kind of it was getting there it was it was it was it was getting there, but it still wasn't of course what it is now so it was still so raw getting out there and you seeing all these other people out there passing out their flyers and hustling a cassettes i mean it seems inspiring all these dudes out there and it was a bunch of guys who were in control of their own destiny there was nobody telling them to hit the street with these flyers nobody nobody told you to go out there and make a cassette this was something you decided to take your fate and your destiny into your own hands and take a stab at it yeah you got a lot of guys out here nowadays dropping a, a mixtape for ten dollars, but they didn't have to worry about reel to reel and and production of tapes. How many how many months did you have to scrape together your nickels to oh make sure goodness. you had this money? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because nowadays, yeah, like nowadays, everybody got a studio. Everybody dropping mixtapes and that. Yeah, and then it goes then it goes on that piff. You know what there I'm saying? Go. They didn't have yeah, right. like they're, they're no, no. You're it's not very, even making very, things that exist. Yeah, it's very easy now. Yeah, back then. Oh my goodness, it was so hard. And then for me and my cousin, we worked jobs. So we had regular nine to fives. So we, you know, at a young age, you know, working at the, whatever, the corner store or, or cutting somebody's grass and just saving up every little penny you got just to get enough money to get into the studio. That ain't even to buy no tapes or nothing. That ain't even to buy yeah. none of that. So, you know, it took forever. That's why in actuality, it was done a year or more prior to us even putting it up. It's just you had to scrape up the money to be able to pay the tape maker because you can't, yeah, you can't do 50 tapes. You had to do a minimum order of cassettes. That's it. Yeah. You and, you had, and you had you had the butterfly cases with the insert. This was this was a this was a pro job. This wasn't yeah. wasn't a max. Crazy, right? It was it was crazy. And that, and again, you know, your project, you done with it. You was done with it a year and a half ago. You just can't put it out. Because you ain't got no money, so you scraping up your money to try to, you know, how, okay, now we get to order some cassettes to put the cassette out finally. But yeah, it was, it was, it was, it would have been bananas back then if we'd have had what you had now, you know, with the internet and all of that. And, oh man, the album is done today and we're going to upload it tomorrow, y'all. So yeah, be, it'll be, be ready. Your ear. It'll be in your ear in six hours. I can do a right. single and have it in somebody's yeah. ear in six hours. Exactly. Before, because you no. had to 
You had to produce vinyl, deliver the yeah. vinyl to the fucking radio station, hope exactly. the DJ played that shit, hope they played yeah. the shit. Now, Real. Yeah, and I mean, the, the cost and the ease has gone down so much. I mean, and for mm -hmm. somebody like you who has been in this game over 20 years, it must just be like the fucking Twilight Zone that you yeah. could literally have so an idea recorded at the crib, bounce right. it to the engineer 3,000 miles away, have right. him bounce it back to you two hours later, and you can have it on the street with promotion yeah. in less than 24. It's, it's right. just yeah, crazy it is it is just crazy now the things you can do and take spit your verse and two three verses and you know what take this word from this one and put this here take that part and you know what i only got to do the course one time and then fly throughout the rest of the song you like well god i love it because it's so much easier for me i don't how to do a lot of the shit i used to do you know punch-ins punch-ins yeah. I, I don't like punch-ins but it became so much easier to punch in every fucking line that I'm it's all you people doing I'm in the cell you yeah the other day where you one take jaked it because you didn't want to spend that hour in the studio wasting time that's how, that's how it was you know me yeah. jamie you know me jamie paul we in the studio and i'm you know i'm putting hok together hey let's like come on let's let's record this and then you know okay jamie fuck up this verse so we you take your ass all the way back to the beginning you know we ain't, we ain't wasting no. another tape. We gotta overwrite <laughs> this one. We gotta overwrite That's this it. tape. That's it. I'm telling you. Yeah, it was just, it was crazy. Yeah, but nowadays. Towards the end of the year, you hooked up with Jamie and Paul musically. Now, you said you already knew them personally. How did you, did they hear yeah. production and just decided this is the sound we're looking for? I've known them, of course, as we were kids, you know, since, since we were we were kids, man. But for me, I was always doing my thing. They really, they weren't in the end of the, whole really into the whole rap thing me and my cousin split and then they were kind of starting to trying to wanted to get into something wanted to kind of want to get in a little bit and then why would you two get into something shit basically without me or why would i get into something shit without y'all oh we already we're already best friends fuck it let's just do it together and hok was born and originally, yeah. you were only brought in to produce and then do a couple yeah. of features. How did that contribution morph into you just I becoming do. the third horcrux of this unholy triad? Kind of along those lines. You know, if y'all want to do something, I'll help you. You know, because again, hey, they, they, you know, they didn't look at it like, hey, man, that's ROC. They didn't look at it like that. It was just, hey, yeah, that's, that's our homie. You know, so yeah, and he's been doing it. So doing it before we doing it. So yeah, he knows what the fuck he's doing. So, you know, get in there. I'll help you out with a couple of tracks and yeah, I'll do this. And then again, it was just like, what's the point in doing this? I'm not doing nothing. Me and, me and my cousin don't, you know, rap no more. And uh, I, I'll end up doing a solo project again, probably one day, but yeah, we might as well just go ahead and just do it together <laughs> you know and then it just came to me being a permanent part of what they're doing not just you know producing a couple of maybe features it just became to me being a permanent part and the three of us just doing it the initial run of hok burst six releases home sweet home in 93 homebound and season of the pumpkin in 94 outbreed in 95 mm -hmm. head trauma in 96 and then the collector's edition 97 in 1997 yeah, there's a story yeah. i stumbled across that in the 1994 to 96 frame uh, time frame, your younger brother and current NWI artist, Mr. Yug, deleted some sessions 
from an HOK yeah, he meeting. Said he do you, do you he, remember this incident? He spoke nope. about it quite highly. And I remember I beat my brother's ass over a fucking Madden game over right. <laughs> I can imagine how well, like, I would have beat somebody with a chair, like straight right. up. But you don't, you and, don't remember this, this incident? That, that I don't, I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember. And that's the thing I don't remember. Who knows? It must, and, and the way I look at it, it must not have been nothing of that great of importance. Because if it was, I would have fucking remembered. Man, it must have been. It probably was some shit that I uh, probably did, and then want, and then he probably went ahead and put him some together and delete. Yeah, you can have these. But yeah. I mean, in in those days, dealing with the reel to reel and just dealing with the sheer number of fucking things you had to do to produce mm. an album and get the vocals down. Were there any lost sessions? Is there a box in a storage unit someplace that Dusty tapes there, and it's some unheard HOK or maybe some old beats from you that never hit the street? There, I definitely have a lot of old beats that never hit the streets. HOK, we kind of it was, it was kind of a we didn't do. And say, well, we don't want to use this. Uh, well, we won't use that. When we did stuff, it was, did we do it? We use it. And that's kind of how it was. So we didn't have like a whole giant stockpile of like old stuff. We, nah, we don't want to use that tracker. We don't want to use this tracker, that tracker, something like that. It was stuff that when we did it, we used it. When we did it, we used it. Because of, you know, money time restraints things like that so you're like hey we ain't getting in playing around and do six seven songs so we're not going to use those do 12 more we'll use these 12. nowadays it's a little different you can spend you just throw them in a file you just there throw you them in a file you just yeah. throw them in a file it's easy now back then it wasn't so easy to do yeah man i recorded 18 songs and i'm only using 12. all the rest of that just throw it aside and maybe later on i could really and that's kind of what it is nowadays but back then no you recorded that shit, you used it like i gotta use it. we using it whatever we doing we using but uh, but uh like beats and stuff like that I think i do have like older beats and different things like that and you know off of adat tapes and and and, and all all that crazy nonsense man those times everything it was just so fun to me it was just so raw when you you know you kind of look back on it and you're like man it was some of the most fun times i have recording and just hanging out and just putting things together because again everything was so raw it was just so raw there was it, it really it doesn't have the life that it has now uh so everything was so raw it was it was so young back then uh oh man you guys at the time did not know you were writing underground history and those days would later right. become the things that you know guys like me argue on the internet for hours about right, um, right in 1996 you released exposed and that was kind of at the the tail end of the initial house of crazies run what right. brought you to finally put out a solo project as the roc because initially you know before it, i was supposed to do a solo project anyway so that had kind of been stuff that I kind of had and for for me, you know, anyway. And it, and, it, and it got to that point to where it was about that time for me to release ROC. And that's around the time also that, what did we have? What did we have? Three, four, five, four, five HOK records. So it was about that time for me to kind of release ROC. So what was supposed to happen is, you know, we're going to do ROC. And then, you know, Mr. Bones thing. 
and then we're going to have a hectic thing. You know, we're going to kind of go about it that way. And then we're going to eventually get back around to bringing back the HOK thing. HOK, of course, never came back. But, you know, we're going to get kind of back around to doing the HOK thing eventually. But a lot of that stuff I had exposed. It was just stuff that I had worked on, stuff that I had, stuff that I was going to release. Why 96? Why that time was right? I had no idea. I don't even know. I don't even remember. And then, yeah, 97. I think that was the last HOK. Was, I think that was the Rewind remix. So that was the last uh, HOK yeah. stint. In 97, Paul and Jamie left to form Twisted yeah, and to right. join Psychopathic Records. Yeah. And that kind of left you with an incomplete HOK record that you completed with Scraps. Well, no. That was brand new that I created with Scraps. Okay. That was brand new. Okay. Brand new. Uh, brand new. And um, what, 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 what led you to decide to replace the two outgoing members with Scraps? And well, continue I, the HOK name and not do something yeah. brand new? Because Halfbreed wasn't around yet. No, Halfbreed wasn't out around. Yet. Nope, Halfbreed wasn't around yet. And they actually replaced themselves because Jamie and Paul decided to go do Twisted. It wasn't okay. me. So they decided Understood. to go do Twisted. They just needed something different. Can't fuck with ROC no more. We need something different. So they went and started doing their own thing. And they, actually, when they were doing that, Scraps was actually supposed to be in a group with Blaze. Them two were in a group. But Blaze went along with Twisted. Scraps was in limbo. Hey, why don't me and you get together and do something? Great. What are we going to call it? Well, I don't know. We'll figure out a name. Now, the guy who was investing in us at the time, investing in me, he said, look, Walt. either Walt, either you do HOK or you do nothing. It was like, okay, I'll make you a deal. We do this last HOK EP, because it wasn't a full length the night they came home. It was an EP. After that, we changed the name. We changed the name. We do something totally different. I don't want to do that for me. And I've always said this, it's bigger than just rap. And I know for a lot of people it's, it's, it's not because that is life. Uh, that's how they eat and things like that. And I, I get that. But for me towards Jamie and Paul, it was bigger than just them leaving to go do their own thing musically. It was bigger than that because we supposed to be cruel. We friends again. It's all of us. We one maker. We all, we all do. That's just, again, that's my mentals. That's just how Brian thinks. I wanted to change the name. And it's like you having a girlfriend. You, you break up with her. Y'all break up. Why you want to go turn around and get somebody that's just like her, looks like her, acts like her. That, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. That's how I felt about House of Crazy's name. I don't want to do that. I already had this relationship we did this it'd be to me it's disrespectful to me to even do house of crazies and disrespectful to them to do house of crazies and disrespectful to fans who bought into house of crazies now you got it just you and some other guy like what you know after the fact you know the project do project and you're like fuck did i even do this you think walt was walt was pushing that fucking subject because he knew that house of crazies he could bank there Even you people go. People weren't familiar with the situation that two of and the members it. had left. Yep. And that that's he, could, it. he could still know he would sell records. Right. And that's it. 
let's change the name. Let's let's do something different. Let's do something brand spanking new. But again, he didn't want to. That fell apart. Along came a couple of other my partners, MCs, and Walt says, Brian, I got this much money. I'll put this much up, but I need another House of Crazies project. No. Is this the house? Did you, did you the meet house. him halfway? Did you met that's him halfway what, and said, you aren't going to get House of Crazies. I'll give right. you the house. The house. So basically, See, that's, that's why I cut talking. that off. You know, I cut that part off. I was like, no, it's the house. I'll meet you halfway. So if we don't end up changing the name ever, it'll be just the house. The spelling will be different. H-O-W-S-E. You know, it'll be kind of the whole different thing. It was one of them situations to where, you know, okay, we did it. The project, Esopromatum project. And this is just not it for me. I'm just not, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's when it got to the point to where, you know, you got half breed and things like that. It's just like, okay, I got to go, Walt, split, do my own thing, took on an extra job, hustled. You know, I should have did that in the first place. Take on a different job, man, change the name, do something totally different, get away from House of Crazies. Little did I know, and I didn't quite understand it back then, I couldn't get away from House of Crazies because House of Crazies was me. I was House of Crazies. It showed in the music production I always did. It was me. So it's like I was always running from myself. You know, <laughs> it's like you're ROC. You do all the production. So anything you have is likely going to sound kind of H-O-K-ish. But because it never quite were. got there, did it? It never quite got there. Because right. part of the HOK experience is that relationship, that mm -hmm. terrifying triad. Yeah. Three war cruxes. You know right. what I mean? And it's yeah. really nice to see you in hindsight being able to look at this. Because during that time frame, even though you've said in previous interviews there was no actual tension, on the surface there definitely appeared to be some. During yes, that time absolutely. was when Jamie and Paul borrowed murder, murder, murder from you. Right. Exactly. At the right. time, I mean, were you doing anything to, to try to convince people that everything was kosher? Because at the time, people right. were seeing you go forward with HOK sans them, and then them mm -hmm. doing things to you like the murder, murder, murder incident. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the thing. And for me, it was always... I don't know. And, I, and again, you know, you don't want to want to push off anybody else's anybody else's feelings or how they may feel about something and things like that. But for me, it just was never that crazy. It was never that, it was never that nuts, man. It's even like now with everything going on with ICP and psychopathic and magic ninja. I, I don't know, man. I never look at, I, I don't, you know, people want you to be like, well, yeah, well, fuck ICP. And then why would I do that, man? Like, that's just dumb. I even told Blaze, I was talking to Blaze, what, the last show when we were at uh, Worcester. The Palladium, I was talking yeah. to Blaze. We were out in Worcester. I was telling Blaze, I said, Blaze, even way back, Blaze, when we was all, wasn't, wasn't that cool. I ain't running around screaming on y'all name. Man, fuck yeah, Twister. Nah, fuck Blaze. I just didn't do that. Why? Why the fuck is energy like that? Right, I'm going to see you. Why would I disrespect you like that? But not only that, why would I disrespect myself like that? It's like, it's not that serious, man. It's not that serious. I don't want no harm to come to Joe or Joey and take them away from their kids or their wife or 
fans and stuff like that's just no we don't want to do that don't nobody want to do that it's just like that's just dumb that's just dumb for what i already got a short lifespan as it is on this fucking planet what am i gonna run around beefing with people yelling in the phone screens and fuck you bitch you ain't shit and like man come on ain't got time for that i just want to just hang out i want to make cool music <laughs> you know uh people who smoke y'all can smoke People who drink get to drink on, and everybody just relax, man. And that's kind of how that was kind of always from day one how I always was, even when they dipped. It hurt. It hurt because it hurt more because Jamie and Paul, again, they were beyond music. Them was my brothers. Them was like my family. We were kids. So that hurt more. You know, it hurt more. So for me, it was more, you know, being hurt. It wasn't, you know, there, I didn't have any anger like Urgh. it was just more hurt like damn then my homies even if we don't do no music even if they decide today well roc we appreciate the album b you know we love you but we we're going in a different direction so y'all there won't be another roc zodiac project none of that that's fine i would i would have no problem with that but so if they say that it's great I'm like, okay, that's fine, you know, but make sure you come through next week because we are uh, barbecuing for my daughter's birthday or this, that, that, great, I'm there. That's my relationship with Jamie and Paul. I do have a professional relationship with them too, I understand that, but beyond all that, ah, it's a, it is a personal relationship between us as, as 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 friends as brothers man and it's you know and and blaze as well uh a, a lot of those guys george and and mike winninger a lot of them guys man feel a lot of those guys around there i i, I consider them a little closer than just being you know uh co-workers, just being co-workers and stuff man it's 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 different it's different, and and that's kind of how I, I I like my relationship to be with with people. It's music is is fine, man, but like you know, you should get to kind of know people a little bit sometimes too, you know, because you might like what you like beyond their music, you know, or you may find out this dude is an asshole beyond the music. The music is dope, but he an asshole. You may find I, I that find, I find that that's more the case than the other way around. But there are a couple people out there who I, right. I mean, Kung Fu Vampire. Me and him have had a long history of me not liking right. his music. But me and him personally are on great terms, and his music great, now, I'm, I'm vibing with his music now. You know what I mean? It, it, it helps. People don't understand. When you have when you have anything, be it, I don't care who it is, your mom, dad, brother, sisters, cousins, uncles, friends, best friends, fans, whatever, if you feed them constant hate, you have to understand what, what you're watering, what you're feeding is what you're going to kind of get back, man. You reap what you, you sow. don't understand that. If you plant you negativity, get you're going to get negative plants up out of the that's ground. That's it, man. And, and that's all you're going to get. That's all you're going to get. You're just going to get constant, just constant negativity. You know, but if you kind of, you know, you, you you water a little bit, you you know, you give a little love, things like that. And again, you may find common interests beyond music. I don't dig your music, RLC, but you a good dude. So you may find yourself one day, hear something, you like, I mean, well, damn. I mean, your music is all right, my dude. You pretty good. My brother listens to nothing but hood shit. That's it. He's just straight up D-boy. My brother is that way. My brother don't get into none of our music. Mine or Mr. Y-U-G, he don't get into none of that. Twist this, none of that stuff. He don't do none of that. 
you know, this last album of mine, he kind of heard something and he called me the other day, bro, bro, I've been listening to this new album, bro. I'm telling you, nigga, this shit is good. I'm like, oh, thanks, bro. No, bro, I'm telling you, nigga, this album is dope. I fucks with you, bro. I'm telling you, I fucks with you. you got <laughs> I'm the like, coast thank you. you. Finally got that street coast sign. But right, exactly. We've had a couple of interactions, you know, talking to you here, and it was something I always heard about you throughout the years is your happiness as a person was never tied to your success in the music business, that your happiness no. is, a, is tied to your family, to your relationship with your friends and then you're you're validating that with your statements right now yeah it is and that, and that's the thing i i i love doing music because again it gets me to do things like this me and you knowing each other beyond just doing this interview us knowing yeah. each other and things like that and, and getting to know people and different things like that music kind of opens that door for you and it's great but that's me I love my family, man. My, my my wife, my my kids, my mom, brothers, all the juggalos, uh, different fans, and you know it just and, and different people I collab with. It's it's great to have those things because you, I guess I've always kind of had an understanding that nothing and none of this lasts long. So try to enjoy, man. I'm telling you because next thing you know, hey, man, you you know. Uh, cats don't enjoy things and you could be dead at 40 whatever from a heart attack so you just ran around bitching mostly your whole life mostly your whole life then you just turn around and had a heart attack damn your life to me i would tell you your life sucked because you were an asshole all the way through you're dead and then what I try to enjoy that and hopefully get other people to enjoy some shit too, you know, because you you got to think of things in a grand scheme. You got to blink of an eye, even if you live till you 80. Do you know how short of a span of time that is? Oh my God, that's so short of a span of time. So, so embrace shit. Just everybody, just relax and just, that's me, just family, man, friends kind of hanging out and just, of course, people do shit that's going to piss you off, your family and things like that, like YUG, he lucky, it wasn't nothing important on the yeah. HOK tapes, you know, but it's just people do shit and you get mad at them, oh, you ain't shit, this, that, that, this, but fuck you and this and that, but eventually things, you know, come back, things like kind of, shit's kind of like rubber bands, man, it just tick and that shit'll come back. Same thing with all this nonsense that's going on and blowing you guys and this and that. I'm sure eventually things will end up. It comes in cycles. It does. So after the house yep. project ran its course, you uh, separated all your business ties with Leighton Entertainment and the CEO, Walter Stepanenko. Apparently you had problems similar to Jamie, but this led you to create your own independent label, Virus Independent. Who were the original bodies in there? Because I'm hearing Prozac and Bedlam. I'm here in YUG. I'm here in Scraps. Mm -hmm. Who were the initial controlling body of Virus Independent? Yeah, the, the controller, it, it, it was Scraps and myself. We formed Virus Independent, and then we kind of brought on Bedlam and, and my brother and, and Freeze, and we kind of brought all those cats on afterwards. But me and him kind of started the, uh, the, the label. You know, again, with our own money and and and, and uh, just, just needed something new, something different. So, you know, it was kind of me and him. And again, for me, it's always nice to have somebody to just kind of bounce ideas off of, just to vibe with, just to kick it with, just to vibe with. And again, it's just you just bouncing shit off each other. It grows. 
that's what that's what I like. I love vibing with people because then you can just kind of bounce shit off people. You know, it's it's just a cool thing. But it was me and him. Me and him were the controlling, you know, bodies in Virus Independent. Now, what triggered you going that route as opposed to maybe shopping another deal or trying to do a project for another company the way you had prior to that? I thought that me and him, when we did the House of Crazies, the last House of Crazies project, and I knew that we could do something cooler, do something better, instead of uh, doing my own thing or whatever, I knew we can come up with something cooler, something, something better, and I knew that's something that we had to kind of do on our own as a group so we can control what we wanted to do and control a lot of the direction that we wanted half breed to go instead of us taking it to someone and having them, you know, fork the money and then basically kind of holding you hostage with money saying, well, look, we've got to go this way or you don't get nothing. That way we only got a couple of dollars to put into it, but it's our couple of dollars. You know what I mean? So it, that's what kind of made it the way that it was. Just let's just do it independent, virus independent. It's just our couple of dollars from these nine to fives we work in. And this is going to be, this is going to do it. And that's why we chose that route, because it's independent. It was just us doing it, you know. And Half-Breed was the first release on Virus with Serial yeah. Killers in 99. Yeah. How did you get hooked up with Brother Lin Chung? For those who don't know, Half-Breed's second release was released via SickMade, at least in a distributor standpoint. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it was through, oh, man. I want to say something that they saw, and they ended up contacting us and we ended up talking so, so you were familiar i mean were you familiar with brother lynch at the time i mean that's oh, about the time i had become familiar with brother lynch yeah yeah i, I was definitely 90s. familiar with lynch yeah definitely familiar with lynch um but so he basically had heard that first uh that first half breed record right. and, and said I, I want them i was and, that much right, and then he and his uh his partner ended up contacting us and then that's kind of when Everything just kind of fell from there. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, let's do this. And, you know, we're going, okay, let's distribute. The, we'll, we'll, we'll put it out. We'll distribute the record and things like that. So, and that's kind of how that whole thing went. All right. So you got the deal. You're being distributed half-breed through Sick Made with Brother Lynch Hung. He's helping you get nationwide notice. Are you touring as half-breed? No major tours. We always did a lot of stuff with Esham, not as them cats so we do kind of spot shows running around with them we did do a couple of a string of shows ourselves locally you know ohio you guys released a third project this half breed called rage of the plague in 2001 and by then the duo of you and scraps had kind of turned into a trio with mr freeze and you guys transitioned into level jumpers now you've made yeah. several statements about your level jumpers time, the switch in subgenre, essentially the, the, the move towards more standard underground hip hop. Yeah. Was this decision based anyway in trying to get past that horrorcore glass ceiling that kind of existed kind of in the way RZA and Prince Paul did with Gravediggers, where they transitioned into, you know, Wu Tang and then as a solo artist respectively to kind of reach yeah. more of a higher plateau. For me, I wanted, the transition especially because for, for me the music it, it, it was all too one directional like I needed it to be more multi directional and for what we were doing it wasn't multi directional enough for me like 
I wanted it to be, it's, it's almost to me like how, how I feel about like digital voodoo. You know, yeah, you do got a little bit of kind of that horrorcore side, but like a, a lot of that stuff is not that. That's what I've always envisioned my music being. It has so many different layers. When Level Jumpers came along, it was kind of, for me, it was too, again, one way, because it was so hip hop. It was so hip hop. It was good. Don't get me wrong, I liked it. It was just too much one direction for me. Was your desire to be so multifaceted, multidimensional, what led you to change your name at one point to Soul46 yeah. and release mm -hmm. another solo project by the name of Wormholes? Is crazy fucking underrated, in my opinion. And if you Thank got you. any hard copies sitting around, the fucking <laughs> shit's going for $70 online. It's going wow. for $70 on fucking Amazon. Crazy. Wow. So if you got any oh, hard copies shit. laying around in the garage That's or mom crazy. Got any, maybe you can get yourself a, 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 a right. new Nintendo or something. But yeah, yeah, and that, that's what it was. Uh, uh, again, you you uh, I understand. You can't be you can't be and do every damn thing. That that's understandable. But music to me, it should be kind of a, a roller coaster ride, man. Because you kind of always go through different emotions and different times and and different feels. I would never want my albums or anything that I do to sound like the first song you listen to. Oh, okay, that's dope. And you get to the album and you like, that's dope. Hit the next song. And you like, well, no, that was it. Okay. And it all just sounded the same. Just it one all just continuous fucking song. It's like, who does that? That shit sucks to me. Like, no, your shit should not sound like one continuous song. It should have some depth to it. It should have some variety to it. You know, take you just through 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 different rides and things. That's that's how I've always felt about music. Because again, growing up, listening to so many different genres of music, getting all those different things, you know. So, you know, it was it was that that's why the name changed and then going in the level jumpers and then back to this or back to that. Or you're doing it's just so much, you know, most people may think of it as, man, you don't know what it is you want to do. You don't feel the same way, so you want to kind of, you know, you put that into your music and to production and into your music. It's like Tupac, you know, talking about Dear Mama, and then all of a sudden, I hit him up. You're like, oh, yeah. man, how you going to be Hail rapping Mary. about that? Right. And you like, man, how you going to be doing that? Because Brenda, Brenda got a berry. The, the, the same MC shouldn't be able to write Brenda's got a baby and hit him up. But That's you know what? what? That is the That's duality of man. That's the Just duality. Impossible. The duality and multifaceted That's nature of man. Is. That's what it is, man. That's exactly what it is. T.I. came out with a new album. Um, oh, his shows, his his whole demographic is different now. It's all oh my God. 40 plus oh my God. What it is. Yeah, oh, it's whole demographic is changed. It's love fest, it's it's you know? And, and, and it's like, but again, what do you want people to do? People go, oh, man, because it's, it's understandable. Reason why, don't want nobody likes change. That's me. I like ABC to go in that, in, in that order now if you chuck say well no i'm gonna throw c first and then we gonna go with a and then b well wait a minute hold on wait a minute that's how but that's just it's life and, and it's hard for people to adapt to change and people changing and it's got to be a reason you you, you know it's got to be some crazy reason why but it's like well no like you said it's just man themselves men humans you know it's just what you do man you all you're always kind of you know 
and I like to I like to put that out in the music that I do. So it's important. So in 2002, Lever Jumpers and Virus both ran their course. And over the next three years, between 2003 and 2006, you had your most productive time as a solo artist, releasing bits and pieces in 04, I'm Here in 05, and Oh Hell No in 06. During this time, you also reconnected with Jamie and Paul. Actually, it was them. They contacted me. Hey, man, come on through. Let's, you know, let's talk. Of course, you know, for me, it was, it was easy. Cause to me, I never had it in my brain that there was, there was there anything wrong. What in the fuck? That there was an actual problem. It was just a separation. Yes, it was just a it disconnect. was just crazy. So you know, you get there, you talk, and everything was just normal. It was like I never, I never left the fold. That's what it was like. It was like I never left. Everything was just kosher. There was no awkwardness, and it's like I never left. It was just like, hey, yeah, hell yeah, B. What up, B? You know, everything was just regular. So that's kind of, like you said, those are my most productive, and that's when I kind of linked back up with them. Doing a lot of free, you were doing freelance work for Psychopathic as well at the time. Yeah. And mm -hmm. like most of your production, it goes unlauded the way it should be. Um, what are some of the tracks during that period of time that you threw some production on? Because I had a hard time finding liner notes for any of that shit. It, it, it varies. And I know there, there's a few things here and there that I had uh, different put different things on i can't tell you off off the top i really don't remember uh, but, but you were doing a lot you were doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff there besides just those features because once yes. you came back into the fold your features were hitting the scene like fucking lava people were like who the fuck is this guy out of no place you know and that's what it was it was you know yeah kind of getting back into the fold of things you know just kind of getting back into the kind of more of the swing of things you know sitting in uh with uh icp when they did um tempest because i sat in with that and vibed out with them on like the tempest kind of getting in man and just kind of you know kind of you know kind of getting in there just doing those things reacclimating myself to kind of uh, being around psychopathic now by 2007 you were back into the fold enough to at that point you were touring as blazes hype man yeah man I, i'll do it which of course was kind of it was a little weird it's like well how you gonna be my hype man motherfucker you roc roc don't supposed your to energy in those days your energy was overwhelming as a hype man you were but, you were the pinnacle of energy on stage behind him and it was a nice juxtaposition and that's what i tried to take it as like i tried to take it as a you know, like Blaze is out here. We got to rep Blaze. We got to have like crazy mad energy. So it's like, I'm going to be that crazy mad energy guy. You know, and, and for me. And I remember you going, I remember you going as far as coming out with those crazy Oakleys yeah. that came up yep. over. You know yep. what I'm saying? And look uh, like fucking Oakley. goggles. Nobody yep. had those at the yeah. time. You still know? got them. Are you still got them? Yep. All four pairs still got them. You know. Oh, you, you, had, you had four rotational yep. pairs for tour? Yep. And four pair, but yeah, you know, those that, fucking things weren't cheap either. Those important. weren't cheap either. Nope. They were Oakleys, and there was a lot of plastic. Yeah, weren't cheap, you know. But yeah, you know, and just it was just that doing the blaze hype thing. It was just energy. I needed to, I needed to do that. I needed to bring that energy. I needed to do that. And again, for me, it's easy because there's somebody else up here. So it's like basically we're just vibing off each other. That's all it is. I'm up here with one of my homies. I'm like, man, hell yeah. This is, hell yeah, y'all. This is great. It's, for me, I'm just like, hey, this is nothing. 
you know, so that was fun doing that. That, that, that was real fun doing that. That period of time when you were hyping for Blaze and you're doing production work for, for the Hatchet, did you consider this you trying to work towards a psychopathic deal? No. Was, was that what your goal was? No, because no, I knew what just... I had to really do. It's honestly, I could have went and talked to Billy or Joe and been like, hey, guys, I want to put out a record. And I'm sure, a thousand percent sure, they would have been like, okay. So it's, it's not like it was me trying to, I, I could have went to them. I could have went to them any time and been like, yo, I want to put out a record. Yeah. In 2008, that finally happened. Now, they signed yeah. you to what they were calling at the time the development subsection of Psychopathic right. Hatchet House. Right. Why mm -hmm. was that decision made instead of making you an artist on the main label, which is what everybody had expected? I didn't really care enough, I think. And I think they kind of sensed that. Like, this motherfucker don't really care where he at. He just... I don't know if their brain thinking like that, but my brain was like, should it matter? Even if Joe and them and, and Joey and Billy and them said, ROC ain't even going to be on no label, y'all, but this shit is dope. Should it matter to people who want to go out and purchase it because it has no, a happy guy? And, and that's how I always looked at it. So that's why I never went to them like, I need a record deal. Like, why? If you like my shit and you go, I mean, I understand it can get out more to the masses through them. But if it's, good y'all it's, it's good so you're telling me i'm only good if i'm on shady records but i'm no good if i'm not you know what i'm saying and that's kind of how i've always viewed things if somebody is dope they're dope somebody is dope they're dope icp does not need the hatchet guy for them to be icp exactly they're icp it doesn't matter about the hatchet guy hatchet guy is cool you know the hatchet man is cool but Again, they don't need that to be that. And that's kind of how I always looked at it. So they approached me and said, hey, you know, what about you doing something? And yeah, yeah. And at that time, I was going through a whole bunch of shit personally. We're going to get that stuff in a second because, you know, yeah. you released Welcome to the Dark Side. Within the first fucking 20 seconds of that CD, I believe it's Paul or Jamie, rather, in his little voice, refer to you Jamie. as they call the boy the rubber ball. Because he always bounces back with you when you kick him. Now, with your prior features in history, it was widely anticipated, and it seemed that the kicking that you were receiving was about to be over. Right. Did you seem like they embraced you as much as you deserved oh, at that point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. They, you know, twisted did, so did, you know, ICP psychopathic, they did too. You know, everybody did. Everybody embraced me. Like, it's like everybody always embraced me. Only person never embraced me was always me. Like no one could stop my success or anything. It was always me. Again, that takes us all the way back to our other part of the conversation with the ego thing. I didn't really care much, man. It's like, I, I care, y'all, but it's like, man, I just want to, I just do music. That's fine with me. I just do production and never be known. Just sit up behind the boards and just, you know, bang out tracks and twist knobs and it's kosher with me. You know, my head just because I mean a lot a lot of a lot of the fam and a lot of the fans in two thousand nine, you publicly announced, you know, your retirement. You right. were in Patchet House and you put yourself into self imposed artistic and musical exile for three yes. fucking years. And a yeah. lot of fans took that as a did we not support him enough? So right. basically what you're telling me is this was this was Brian, yeah. Style. yeah this was not the fans. Yeah. This was not the way yeah. Dark Side was mm -hmm. received. 
because Dark Side was a fantastic yeah. record, and you know, I I, I never heard yeah. anybody shit talking at all, to be honest. No, me neither. Me neither. And that's it. It was so much going on at the home front, family wise, and going through separation and divorce, dabbling in in Brian's world as far as like it goes that personal to where it's children and things like that. All bets are off on anything else. I shut everything down for my babies. You know, speaking to you, we we've talked about how important your family is. In two thousand nine, when you when you put out that video, I believe it was on fucking MySpace that you were leaving the game. Did you intend to be gone forever? No. Did you put ROC to bed? I did. I I I, I did. I did intend to say, which again, you know, you hindsight, you kind of probably could have worded different. I'm, I'm taking a break. I'm, I, I'll be back later. You could have said that, but for me... So hiatus hiatus would have been a much better I, word at the time go. That was, for retirement. <laughs> there you go. That would have been a much better word at the time. <laughs> ROC, revisionist history, he never retired. He took a hiatus because right. that's exactly <laughs> what the go. fuck it was. Right. What did you do during those three years? Were you completely done with music? I wanted to be. I wanted to be completely done with music. I didn't really want... Uh, I was just like, man, you know what? I'm, I'm done, but... It's just like, you know, you like, you're done. And, you know, you look over. And then the drum air, I ain't doing it. You, you reach over and tap a couple buttons, and I ain't doing it. You tap a couple more buttons, keyboard staring at you, you hit a couple keys. Like, I ain't doing it. And then you start, yeah, I might make this one beat. After that, I ain't doing nothing else. So it never, it never, I never like was like a, it was like you always, always calling you. It's always calling. Come on, man, touch. Man, you know you want to touch. Man, come on. Go ahead. Just one key. Just push one key, you know. So like the pipe did the pookie, straight up. Like the pipe did the pookie. It's just, it's calling me. And it just always calls you. So you end up, you know, so throughout the years, yeah, I would, you know, messing with a little music here, messing with a little music there. So it was always there, man. It it it, it never left. It it never left. In 2012, out of no place in a motherfucking puff of smoke, here comes Knuckle Up from Prozac's Nocturnal EP. Now you had quite the history of Prozac from the days on Virus, I'm sure. And yeah. it that point Prozac had since moved on to both a successful project dead man career and then into a deal with tech nine strange music did prozac personally bring you back into the fold did he call you did he send you something that he couldn't yeah. live without a verse from you on yeah prozac is just one of them guys man that's just for me you know him and things like that for me and him it goes beyond music it's, it's well way way beyond music that's 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 like my brother prozac is you know that that's like that's my my brother because again he, he me and his relationship it goes well beyond music and yeah yeah he came and was like yo what's up you know come on what's up come on <laughs> and it was like just egging his okay. friend just egging his friend on just there you go like okay did you intend for that to be a return because shortly after that you participated in the cypher four and that was released in october of 2012 was this all part of a grand scheme comeback on your part i wish i need to learn to grand scheme more because <laughs> shit just falls and it's just like you're like yeah yeah and like once you know you hear it back you want to be like yeah yeah so that was my grand scheme so i meant to do that you didn't mean to do none of that shit. you just 
kind of just being B. You was just doing your thing, and it just kind of all just kind of lined up and kind of fell that way, you know, the project thing, and then doing the, you know, the psychopathic, the, the cipher thing, and and things like that. It just kind of all fell into place like that, I guess. You know. Now your your actual status during that time in 2012 was up for much debate and uh, conjecture. Here's just a direct question. Because I'm sure a lot of heads out there listening think this. Were you ever a signed artist on Psychopathic Records, even for one day? Because by, from all purposes, it seems like it happened. And I know that there are articles on the internet and your Wikipedia both say that in 2012, you were a signed Psychopathic Records artist. Is that true? No, I wasn't. I was the, I am, I was the only guy I never signed with psychopathic I, I never signed with psychopathic that you just was, wore a jersey or or toured yes, with whomever it's always i always rep them because again man it's like i've known you know joe joe young dudes for like 20 some years and they built such a great thing man so it was just like i was just kind of always i always rep them i've, I've always like repped you know psychopathic and and twisted but again it, I, and, and twisted and, and those guys and blazing them but I, I never went to like joe and said yo here's the thing i i, I want a deal i want to put out a record because i'm sure if i went to them they they, they would have yes absolutely we and what, that's what do that lack do? of ego that's that's that lack of ego and as much as it is a positive as far as your personality it's a negative it's also it, a little it bit is. of a negative it's also it, a little it bit can of a detriment. Be a, again i have family and friends tell me that it, it, it and it does it, it it hinders me a lot and i know it does it, it does it hinders me a lot it does hold me back from a lot of other things that could have happened and a lot of things that could happen and it does hold me back a lot and it is it's just that lack of ego not that i don't care but i don't there's certainly the lack of ego is not a regret right. and that's the last thing i hear in your voice is you know you you have done you've had your missteps and you are familiar with what yes. those missteps are yes, but you absolutely. don't regret a single goddamn step of your journey and that that yeah. shows that exactly what type of man you are I mean, yeah. like I said, you did, you did that Cypher 4 in 2012, and then literally two months to the day, they were leaving the hatchet, and with you yeah. and reportedly Blaze leaving right after, but as you just explained, you didn't have anything to fucking leave from. No, and that's the thing. I was the only guy who never had nothing to leave from. I never, I, I, I again, I always, like, rep psychopathic, and then and, and again, they always, you know, uh, had me do little things here and there, but I never was ever a psychopathic. And, I, and I'm sure, I'm sure somebody out there is going to see this and it's going to, his brain's going to fucking explode because that is definitely <laughs> something I know. I believe I know, I know that the, the facade that you mm -hmm. were assigned artist was there, whether it was intentional yes. or not. And that facade, right, all that fucking idea. It really sold that fucking idea that you were a signed artist. Right. But I'm like, glad, I'm part. really glad you cleared that up. <clears throat> I never was, you know, I never was. And, and, you know, but, but were all those guys, my, my people, absolutely. And I wrapped them. They were my people. Yes. Those are my, those are, those are my, them are my guys, man. You know, so yeah. So, so if, if, so if, and if it, someone says, Fuck all previous psychopathic artists that are now on Magic Ninja. You don't apply to that last. <laughs> right, right. Hey, so if you say that, I don't apply. Right. Exactly. I don't apply. I do not see, I do not resemble that remark. Or, and, and technically, you're right. Technically, you're right. But see, I would say no, I fall into that category because again, in, in your that heart is part 
of me exactly i'm i'm a part of you know fuck people who don't like juggalos and all that that's what i am that's i i am part of that and that is part of me and you know there's no other way around that it's just it's what it is we help plant the seeds to what people some may refer to as juggalos today there was no juggalos back there was none of that there was none of that way back then we were planting seeds you know so yeah i'm a part of that i'll always be a part of all that circuit of 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 everything man it's just is what it is you know i don't run from it i embrace it i i i love the fact that i helped you know create something i i I was a smidge part of that you know it's awesome you know oh you you were you were you'd be up for uh like a like a co-star emmy for sure you're not you're not not a bit player in this (laughs) by any means you were not a bit player in by any means you were oh you were like you were like the bad boy who came into town for a couple of weeks and then leaves for a couple of episodes and then he comes right. back and everybody yeah. loves it you know what yeah I'm saying? exactly so, exactly you yeah. know s- since 2012 you've been instrumental in the rise of magic ninja entertainment in 2014 when the label was announced you were announced as one of the first two magic ninjas joining the dojo then in yeah. may 2016 you released the long-awaited zodiac imprint album ride the stars yeah print concept first developed and talked about during that time period in 2007 when you were touring with blaze and and who and who sat down and said fuck it zodiac imprint that part i don't remember that's like i don't even remember it had to be and only reason why i say this because it's always him i would say it had to be jamie because that motherfucker's brain always had to be his ass. Because <laughs> he's always something. So it, I would say it had to be Jamie. And yeah, me and me and Blaze, you know, doing a group thing. Because even, you know, while, you know he, him touring and me hyping for him. Just the dynamic of the both of us. What the fuck would that sound like together? That's weird. You know, Blaze, your dead homie in the ROC. That's really weird. You know, so yeah, basically... Zodiac imprint I mean, was born. And Zodiac was one of those long promised things that seemed to always yeah. be on the horizon. And it was great yeah. when it finally came out. Now, you did something extremely unique and something very seldom done, especially in hip hop music. And it must be nerve wracking to you that you sent was what essentially was a completed album's worth of vocals that you had already produced and knew what it could sound like to someone mm-hmm. else to basically do a remix album and you were going to release them concurrently as a producer and knowing what that album, you already had a completed album in your hands right before it went right. to seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you knew what it could sound like. You knew yeah. what it could fucking sound like right. as a be- you know, as a producer, beat man artist, how nerve wracking was it waiting for those stems to come back from seven? Yeah. It was crazy because you're like, yeah man you're yeah because like you said you already got it you know already so you're like oh man like it's one thing if you didn't know but you knew you you had already worked it right and 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 it's not like you're worried about getting something back shitty it's seven you're good of course You're good. Of of, of course. Of course. That part you're not worried about, but you're just like, oh man, what what's this gonna sound like? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Now what triggered this? What what triggered this from from you guys? Was this something that you just Um, decided you wanted to do this interesting concept? Because it's it's really interesting. It's a it it was something something that different. Yeah. When I heard ROC version, when I heard ROC version, I didn't know exactly what the hell that fucking meant even. 
And then that's when I got familiar with your production credits. And I was like, well, obviously, then he would be fucking producing. So what triggered the decision to go out to somebody like Seven and let him give you his vision as well? I, I initially, I initially was like, well, yeah, okay. We didn't, we, we, we were sitting on that material for a couple years, me and Blaze. So it's just chilling. It was just sitting. George is the one who came up and said, okay, man, what do you think about putting Zodiac out? I don't, what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? Like, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure. He's like, I think we should put it out. I, I think we should. I think we should put it out. And me, I'll. Uh, just being me, just iffy, and I don't know. Well, maybe, okay, yeah, okay, well, maybe, okay, we could put it out. And then he came to me and was like, hey, well, what about, what if we do the vocals and send the vocals to seven, and then we can have this version and that version? And I was just like, Phew. I was like, okay. And then it was just like, yeah. And then, yeah, so I got all the vocals situated and yeah, shot it to uh, 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 Michael, and it was just like, wow, man, wow, that's a pretty cool thing to do. You got two versions, but like production on it, and the way it flows is totally different. It seems like two totally different. Out, I, I love it. It's just crazy. It was nice. Yeah, it must have been nice. I mean, you Seven is the type of producer that you know. You can't. You not only trust that dude. You know that's right. someone you can bank on. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. That is someone whose mm-hmm. product is never bad. In Definitely. 2016, you you finally released a bit of solo product on uh, Magic Ninja through the fucking Prelude at Gathering 16, which was part of a, a bunch of releases that weekend. And then you announced Digital Voodoo, which was going to be your first full length since you've been signed to Magic Ninja. Yeah. You're a patient motherfucker. Let me tell you, you are one patient fucking dude. Because at this point, we're dealing with Twisted's been gone four years. It's been at least that long since your last solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you believe in the Magic Ninja vision? You, you said you're not a big picture guy, but did you believe in the vision so that when they told you, look, we're sitting on this until this date, that you just well, knew to say, let's do it? Again, for me, I knew I was going to do a solo record eventually, but for me, again, it was just kind of one of those, yeah, yeah, hell yeah, I'm going to do it. But in, uh, you know, a certain parts of my brain, it's like, man, you know, it's fine. Nobody, like, you'll be all right. Just relax. You know, we got the Zodiac thing and, you know, hopefully one of each okay again. That's kind of where my, you know, thought process was really wasn't on ROC much and the album and things like that. But then that time started ticking to the point to where, you know, they okay, now uh it's gonna be your turn and this is what we're looking at and we're gonna get you some tracks from other producers. And it was just like, Whoa, okay, I guess it's my time to start you know, kind of getting this digital voodoo thing together. Like putting putting Brian first. Shit. Putting Brian yeah, first. Putting Brian first. Like, oh man. I mean, okay. You know, so it was just at that point to where it's like, okay, now it's time for you. Yeah, now it's time for Brian. Now now it's time for Brian. Brian's gotta get it now, man. So it's like, and oh God. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. Just shy of two weeks ago, you released Digital Voodoo. It was nationally released on April 14th. And like I mentioned at the beginning, you cracked the Billboard charts. Number nine top rap album, number 16 top independent, and 106 in the top 200. You didn't do that shit alone, though, did you? 
Oh. You have features. You have great oh. features all over this project, yes. running a yes. stunning yes. spectrum of artists, not just rappers. Yeah, man. Your uh, your M and E brethren, Gmo, Blaze, Boondocks, Lex, the Hexmaster, and of course the duo Twisted, all made. Right. And of course, you invited juggalo regulars like Whitney Payton, Mastermind, Kung Fu Vampire, and Prozac to throw bars bars into your cauldron. Was there anyone right. that you wish could have made the album that perhaps, due to time constraints or whatnot, didn't make the album? There was, yeah, there was really one more. There was one more cat man that I that I really, really wanted to uh, actually do the project with me, but he couldn't, time restraints, things like that. And he was busy. That was Chris Calico. That's, that's oh, the only person. Cali, baby. Yeah, man. Oh, man, I wanted, I wanted Cali. I wanted him to do something, but he was working on Go at the time, which is absolutely fucking phenomenal, phenomenal record. Features people ask, you know, why so many features? Why so many features? And I, why not? Again, that's when you start falling into that realm of not just ROC. You know, it's a whole little collective of people. You know what I'm saying? And I like that. I, I love the fact that there are so many different voices with mine and everything's kind of like doing that mesh together thing. You know, that is just, I love the fact that, that, that it's not just me. You know, it's so many other different voices from so many other different areas all right a rugged man yeah yeah i was gonna say you didn't just go for the usual suspects on this one either as some people right. might have expected you kind of went for a more street influence like you just said you had crustified yes. dibs his fucking self already the rugged man you had connived yes. from d12 you had the detroit no fly zone enforcer trick trick on yeah. that motherfucker yeah now these yeah, heads man. may be new to your regular audience right how important is it for you especially right now and for our scene that we branch out into these other hip-hop underground subgenres, essentially and, I, and bridge these gaps and not strictly stay hardcore yeah and, and and to me that is it is it is an essential at least for me it is an essential part of of who i am like again these different like you said subcultures these different areas of, of hip-hop I, I don't even like subculture because i mean we all transcend all of them and i know Absolutely. a lot of juggalos transcend them here but you do have you have your vinnie paz jedi mind tricks people you yes. have your yes. juggalos you have you know there's right. different but we have right. to bridge these gaps because a lot of us do travel amongst these scenes and enjoy these different types of music mm -hmm. yeah and that, and that to me is very Im important to 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 so so people know which a lot of them do like you say they know there are these other different other different music scenes and yes i am into some of these other different music scenes i'm into a lot more different music scenes There's a lot of other features of course you know you you can't get um uh because of you know uh you, you maybe your status or, or or money or things like that but hey who knows things may come together in due time so you may hear some other collabs from me and you're like what the i love the song but what the fuck what was that shooter why this person and it, i mean it really all goes back to the origin of that which was run dmc aerosmith which was one of those things that if you saw there you it, go if you were a fucking a &R, if you were an a and r in 83 and someone handed you a post-it note and it's oh God. Like, run dmc x aerosmith Smith, I'm balling it up, putting it in the fucking trash because exactly. you know what I'm saying. And now, no way. now we know better. Sam K, 
That's the guy. He's just got that. Let's be aware. I know oh. what's coming for almost, you. Almost like that got, problem. Yeah, almost that, yeah, like that he's problem. He's got such guy. that. I don't know what. See, I don't know my tones, but he's got that such. When it was coming for you, you better run. He's got such I mean, that high. Yeah, Sam. Being from he's Detroit, local. R and B, R and B must be one of your heavy influences. Just being I, I, from I like, Detroit, yes, I do, I, and I like R. I like R and B. I, I, I do. I like a lot of R and B. And 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 you know, Sam, he's here. He's 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 local. Um, Britney. I mean, so is on the one where I got with Twisted. Okay, that's Britney. Mm -hmm. And she is phenomenal. Just the uh, disgusted song uh, just turned out so good. So, so good. Me, Twisted, and Britney Stoney. Man, I love that track. Good track. Are, are, there, are there any bigger name singers that you would, you would immediately throw a verse next to? Because, like, I mean, songs like All I Need with Method Man and Mary J. Blige there, changed the I was face just, of the game. Exactly. Right. And that's what so, I was going to say. Anybody uh, out there? I mean, Mary J., you know, Faith yes. Evans. Ashanti, what do you mean to? You know, you're right. Mary J., Ashanti, Keisha, a little Keisha, a little yeah, Keisha Cole. Keisha Cole would be nice. Yeah, man, it's, 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 it's a lot. Like, I would even love, we're going to bring it newer. Like, I would love to have, you know, if I did something, mixed it up somehow, we, we vibed out like I would love to, like the weekend. If, if oh, the weekend right, yeah, would yeah. sing something on the track. Because to me, that motherfucker sounds like the new Michael Jackson. He sounds you, like it, Michael it's, it's Jackson. Like, it's like silk and sandpaper. Because you, 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 your yeah. delivery is so rough and yeah. so rugged that it's, it's, it's a juxtaposition that creates beauty. Right. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, there's a lot of cats I would like to R&B-wise that I would probably like to, you know, vibe with and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, collab with and do a track with. Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's now, the definite. No tour plans have been announced for you to promote this latest release. Uh, and we've already talked about it. you notoriously don't tour by yourself. Has any yeah. thought been given? Because you've never headlined, correct? No, no, I've Not never a headlined a tour. I've thought about it. You know, I've thought about it. And, and, and again, for me, I'm just not a, I'm not a headlining. I don't really tour a lot, things like that. You know, a lot of that stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely been talked about, especially to, um, you know, promote this new release. If and when anything will happen, that's kind of in the, in the label's hands on what and when and if anything will happen. One thing I do like doing, of course, I love doing that because I'm in and out. And that's just me. I'm just, hey, I'm here or I'm gone. You know, it's uh, maybe some spot shows on the upcoming um, Psychomania tour. Possibly I may pop up in a couple of spots. I'm sure we'll yeah. probably see you in the fall for the fall. You know, yeah, things like that. So, yeah, yeah, definitely I'll be out and about. I'm always out and about. Oh, yeah, no, I'll be popping up here and there. But, like, as far as a full-fledged, you know, some Marvel Z shit, I don't know about that. You know, I don't know about that. You know, who knows? Boo, boo. No, I know. You're breaking people's hearts, man. You're breaking people's hearts. How much, right. how much production are you responsible for these days? Whatever I want to take on. I don't do a lot of uh, production for the label or anything like that. A lot of my time is spent kind of for me right now is kind of honing a skill, kind of getting my craft down pack more. Um, can people get custom? Can we get custom ROC production if someone was to contact your management? Um, is that something that's even on yeah, the menu? It's definitely possible. You know, yeah, they, they, they could contact, you know, management and things like that. Um, but a lot of my time is spent like more writing, 
trying to, you know, because right, you know, me and the dead homie are about to start once he's situated tour-wise on the Zodiac full-length album. We kind of already got a lot of things in the works already. Uh, once he gets back, then we're, you know, 100. Boom, we're just on it, you know, getting uh, the Zodiac album recorded. So it's just a lot of writing and things like that. Hopefully enjoying a little bit of the success and enjoying Definitely. a little bit Definitely. of it as well for once. Uh, I know George, I, I, the other day on the Brunch and Bake, uh, Paul said something about George bugging him about a possible HOK resurrection. Uh, George is always bugging now, us about HOK. And we I, will. I, I, know, sure. I know that the question of Sam Hain witch killers was yeah. already answered with an unequivocal no at one right. point. Now yeah. we've got the we've got the impending release of the Triple Threat album. We got right. the impending release of the Year of the Sword project. Mm hmm you know. Are you guys going to fulfill that promise? Can Are you going to reunite the original triad of demons that were hectic, Mr. Bones and the ROC? Um, Definitely. It's been definitely, definitely talked about. And I don't mean just, yeah, man, what's up with HOK? Well, we maybe, I don't know. Anyway, next question. We have like literally set and vibed out on it. Will it ever, will anything ever see the light of day? I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. The problem is, is when. That's the thing, because m &E is so busy right now. And fans can, be little, busy. Yeah, fans can be a little bitchy about that shit. My homeboy, Sean. Absolutely. Understand. My used to say, fuck a fan. It'll come out when it comes out. You know, but but it's, and you, you're like, man, shut your ass up. You can wait. But you understand that, because I, I get it. You be wanting shit. Like, come on, man. Give it and, to and, me. And, 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 right and, and, and to be honest, the ROC fans <laughs> out there in the world are some of the most patient motherfuckers on earth along with <laughs> they, you right, as they, well. have to be, they are right, super they, they are super be. patient what comes now for brian jones man are, are you here for the long haul is is this yeah. you're here yeah. are you going to ride roc directly here. to a hole in the ground you're here for yeah good? yeah definite uh until and, and, until it's you know done until it's like it's done which i'll still be around of course doing what i love the production side of it so i like i'll always be around i may not be like you know rapping or you know things like that to where i'm visually seen but i'll always you know you pick up read them credits up oh, that motherfucker is you know so i'll always be i'll always be around i'm definitely around for the long haul to my to my to list my time to my to my you know card is zoop, okay that's it he's out you know but i'm definitely around and looking forward to you know putting together another solo album and we ain't gonna wait no 10 years it won't be no damn 10 years this time so that's that stuff keeps my brain busy too thinking about things like that it's like okay motherfucker you just released this okay you're about to do the zodiac thing you're gonna do this okay but i know you're thinking of all that what are you gonna do when the next time for the next uh solo project and how we move at magic ninja and giving you music it's like that shit's got to be on your brain today you just dropped two weeks ago old news oh what are you chess. gonna do next uh, magic ninja is chestnut checkers it looks like it looks like you guys you go. Do so many moves ahead you know right do you do you promise can you promise me can you, you promise the heads out there at large that if you need a break you don't use the word retirement this time retirement right we don't use that I, word hiatus hiatus, hiatus. 
Right. So that's but what it, it is. Not, we, will not be, we will not be breaking hearts out there in hip hop and underground fans by using right. the fucking word retirement ever. Retirement. No retirement. Yeah. No retirement. Well, my man, you know, it's been a long and tumultuous road, you know, for you. Yes. A journey of peaks and valleys, triumphs and missteps through the deals yeah. and the self-reliance you've shown throughout your entire 25-year career. Besides your obvious patience and lack of ego, what do you think the number one thing an aspiring artist can take from looking at your story overall? I would say enjoy. That's, that would be my word, man. And, and enjoy what it is you do even in those shitty times i know it's hard to but try to find some type of enjoyment it will it'll help build build you and it'll help build the type of person you'll become later it's just your character but definitely that's what i would say i would like people to just look at you know and take that away madrock stated in the in the intro of welcome to the dark side be that rubber ball they call the boy they call the boy the rubber ball because he always right. bounced because he always bounced back. Be that rubber ball. Always know there's a comeback. You know, you got a lot of people to deal with things and they don't know how to bounce back or they don't come back or you got people committing suicide and things like that. Always know you can be that rubber ball and bounce back. It may not be the same way or as big as it was before or it may be bigger than what it was before, but you can always bounce back. So that's kind of what I like people to take away. You can always, you can always just, just be you can always bounce back, man. Wise words from a quarter of a century veteran in this game. I only got one more question, really. This is my own little personal questions. You mm -hmm. familiar with Rap Snacks? Do you remember Rap Snacks? Yes, yes. You get the corner yes. store, had your sure. favorite rapper. Mm -hmm. they're, bringing, they're bringing them shits back. I guess they got some stale Doritos. They oh, put a little Yachty on them. They got some stale Doritos. Crazy. They put a little Yachty on them. Um, they got some uncooked popcorn. They put little Uzi Vert on the, on the bag or whatever. If they were going to release... An R.O.C. rap snack. What would you be, motherfucker? Would you be pretzel rods? Would you be salt and vinegar chips? Would you be sweet tarts? If they did chips and they were like, okay, what flavor, you know, what, what flavor potato chips would you want to be? You know how Lay's does them crazy-ass obscure flavors? I don't know what flavor I would really want it to be, but like, maybe like a, 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 a like a, a, a chip, but like you dust it with chocolate. So it's just so obscure Ooh, and, and, and it only comes right. out every whatever. You see what I'm saying? It would have, that would have to Limited. be me. <laughs> you could find it in one store That's on one it. day for one fucking week and then it's gone for eight months and then you, and then it pops up in your lunch bag and That's then it, it pops up in a vending machine at the DMV when you wait. That's it. You better get That's it. That's the best. To, to be honest with you, man, I assumed you were going to say humble pie because you are one of the most humble <laughs> and like, modest you, dudes I ever met. Thank you. No ego. In closing, man, tell the people where they can find you online. Tell the heads where they can go out and cop that yes. hot newness digital voodoo. Man, um, y'all can find me at, uh, you know, my Twitter. I am the ROC, uh, the ROC official. It's Facebook. Uh, I'm the ROC on Instagram. And definitely, definitely, definitely pick up the album twistedshop.com you can definitely get the album them cats over there take care of you you know you 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 get it asap they're great over there so crazy and great the way this all came together and how hard everybody has worked it's amazing and everybody that supports and 
and and and you too, Chuck, and everybody interviewing and things like that. It's like greatly, greatly appreciated. I it's hard, it's hard to put into words sometimes. Like man, everybody doing all this stuff for me and saying all this stuff, man. Damn, damn. But I appreciate it, man. It's great. Thank you. Well, well let me let me thank you for your twenty five years of hard work writing underground history. You've already gone down as a legendary figure, and I mean, I know you're going to continue to do so. I appreciate the time. I can't wait to see you live again, and uh, may success and continued happiness. Ah, uh, thank you, brother. Dude, look, well, that was fucking awesome. Raps on contact, ROC, 25-year veteran in the game, stopping in, speak to me, East Coast Beast Host, right here on Beard Speaks. Huge thanks to the ROC, Magic Ninja Entertainment, and Kerosene Media for hooking this shit up today. I know it was quite a long conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned some shit. Big ups to my sponsor, Brawlers Inc. As always, make sure you're checking them out, brawlersincclothing.com. That is the home of the official East Coast Beast Host hater shirt available in four motherfucking color combinations. Big, huge, fantastic ups to YouTuber Real Wicked Acid Rap. In my preparation for today's interview, I had to look up a lot of old and obscure, hard-to-find fucking Detroit Underground, and that motherfucker's YouTube's got almost all of it. Go over there, throw him a subscribe, check out what he's got over there, and uh, shitheads, until next time, the beard has spoken. Heads, there's nothing more stressful than trying to get your entrepreneurial ship on in this world today. Whether you're a small business owner, an artist, a do-it-yourself entertainer, or anyone else with the need to spread your message, you know this. With all the current restrictions and metrics dictating what people see on the social media-driven internet, the tried-and-true traditions of physical media production and promotion have become as important as ever. But who's got the time? Who's got the time to stand at the damn print shop all day? I'll tell you who. Ruthless Aggression Promotions. At RAPromos.net, you can achieve all of your print promotional dreams using their easy-to-use online interface. Business cards, stickers, flyers, posters, even CD inserts and custom event tickets to complete your arsenal of promotional print needs. Regardless if it's a large-scale promotional operation or a small-scale product rollout, PJ and the RA Promo staff can use their 15 years of nationally touring entertainment experience to help you achieve your desired results. Look, if you really want to win here in the fucking simulation, you can't be passive. You gotta be aggressive. Ruthlessly aggressive. Hit up Ruthless Aggression Promotions now at www.rapromos.net and get your message directly into people's hands and wallets, rapromos.net.